Good morning, Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. It's good to see you here this morning. Today is Memorial Day weekend, and we would do a lot of things within our church to, to celebrate this Memorial Day. And uh, as you know, it's not about hamburgers and hot dogs. It's not about <coughs> celebrating that watermelon is now in just about every grocery store. Not good watermelon, but there, there is watermelon in stores now. It's, it's a day that we set aside as a nation to remember those who paid the ultimate price for us, those who died for us that we might live the way we live. So at this time, I just want us to just take a moment <clears throat> and just close our eyes and just thank God for those people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Amen. At this time, I want to let everybody know uh, from our congregation that the deacons and I are meeting this Tuesday night uh, about reopening. Please be in prayer for us. We are looking at every aspect from what the president said this past week to what other churches are doing, what churches are doing today. Uh, be in prayer for us as, as the leadership of the church as we move forward and seek God's wisdom. We want what's best for this congregation, for this church. Please understand, though, whenever, whenever we open, <clears throat> and we're all praying for sooner than later, whenever we open, please, if you do not feel safe, or, or you have, if you feel like you, you might have something, you, you feel free to stay home. We're still going to live stream. From this point on, unless something happens, uh, we will be live streaming our, our services, so we want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel comfortable when you come back to church. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we dedicate this time that we're here together as a church family to you. Lord, we know that scripture says, we're two or more gathered in my name, there am I also in your midst. And Lord, we, we, we're, we're blessed by that. We thank you, God, that you are with us, that you never leave us. So God, right now, help us, Lord. Help us to, to lift our voices unto you, to celebrate who you are. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. <clears throat> if y'all would uh, also keep in mind, this is, this is, even though we're not all here together in this building, this is not a performance. This is praise. So where you are right now, praise. Sing out. Raise your hands. Let's just offer God what he deserves this morning from wherever we are. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker you feel lost, well, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. 
all search for the light of day in the dead of night We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight And we've all run to things we know just ain't right When there's a better life There's a better life If you got pain, he's a pain taker If you feel lost, he's a way maker If you need freedom or savior, he's a prison shaking savior If you got chains, he's a chain breaker you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify. testify. If you believe it. testify if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you got chains he's a chain breaker He's a chain breaker. Amen. Amen. We can probably all, no matter where we are, relate to that phrase about the chains. Because we've pretty much all been in some form of chains for the last several months. But my prayer is that we will not allow Satan to take what we've been going through and use it for his benefit. But instead, that we will take this opportunity to allow the Lord to work in our lives and grow in our walk with Christ. That's my prayer. Because if we go back a couple of months and we start thinking about some of the phrases that we said, how many times did you hear people say, if life could just slow down, if I could just slow down a little bit so I could focus on God, so I could focus on my walk, well, you got it. Now is the time. Now is your time. Now is our time to grow in our walk, to grow in our faith, to lead others to the Lord. Let's put him first in our life, not allow Satan to take advantage of this time and truly serve our Lord. Sweetest friend 
when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds to the book of John, John chapter 17, John chapter 17. Last week as we opened the word of God, we learned the origin of peace, the origin of peace. Now I hope that message was, was useful this past week as I believe that we're seeking, we're all seeking a little more peace in our lives these days. We're all tired of of hearing the words and phrases to describe what's going on around us. We're all tired of hearing words from people who are supposed to be the authorities, to be our authorities, but are practicing politics rather than really caring about us. Yep, I, I said it. We, we learned that, that peace has an origin, and that origin is only found in Jesus Christ. That's the only place we're going to find peace. When we, when we find this peace in Jesus, 
we will come to understand and truly absorb the knowledge that Jesus truly was sent by God the Father. That, that he, he and the Father are one. And that we can pray directly to Jesus and the Father hears and responds through the Son. Church, peace comes from Jesus. Our peace comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Today we're going to move <clears throat> one chapter forward to see Jesus, the source of all peace, doing something unbelievable for us as believers in Him. Now understand, what we're about to see <clears throat> take place, Jesus is, is going to pray a prayer for those who believe in Him. So let's look at what the Word of God says this morning. John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20 says this. I pray not only for these, being the apostles, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so the world may know you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to be where I am. Then they may see my glory which you gave me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known to, so, so, the, so the love that you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would be with us right now through these few minutes as we open your word. We pray that you would wake us and shake us. Help us, God, to be attentive to your word. Help us to see how this word applies to our lives today. God, let our eyes be open. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to be greater servants, Lord, this week than we were last week for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, uh, you say it at home, amen, amen. As we consider chapter 17, the whole of chapter 17, we need to know that Jesus had just prayed uh, for himself. Uh, he had just prayed for his disciples in verse one, uh, verses 1 through 19. We could call this whole chapter the chapter of the Lord's Prayer because that's all we see or all we hear Jesus doing in this chapter. <clears throat> now, as we consider this and understand that this is a, a chapter of prayer, we need to ask ourselves, what does Jesus pray? Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand something here with me this morning. I, I've, I have uh, been a, 
a member, I think, let's see, one, two, three, four. This is the fifth church that I've been a member at since I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. This is the second church that I've been a, a pastor. Uh, I've been a pastor here for going on nine years. And, and there's been many, many years when I served in other churches, uh, especially I can remember back at my first church before I was a pastor, before I was in the ministry, my pastor would call on somebody to pray. Now, I'll never forget years ago, my, my first pastor, Amy's, Amy's grandfather, Calvin Morrow, after he would preach, and y'all, there were some times where there, his, his, y'all get on me about preaching long, that, that man, he, he'd preach and preach and preach, and after a lengthy sermon, there was a great sermon, he would always end like we end here at the church. The pastor would call on somebody to pray. There were times when... when Preacher Morrow would call on somebody to pray and, and you were just, your, your heart was excited because you know the person who was called on to pray. They're, they're a man of God. They're, they're, they, they pray. And you can just feel the prayer. And there are other times that he'd call on people to pray and you're just like, oh my gosh, oh, it, it's, we're going to be here for another hour. But we're not talking. We're not talking this morning about man's prayer. We're talking this morning about the prayer of Jesus. The Son of God is praying this morning. So we, we need to pay attention. We, we need to open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to see what Jesus is praying this morning. So what does Jesus pray? Well, John records at the beginning of, of, of Jesus' prayer, seen in verses 1 through 5, as Jesus prays for himself. But, but it's not an ordinary prayer that you would hear when a person is praying for themselves. Jesus is asking God that God would glorify him. That, that's his prayer, that God would glorify him. Not that he would receive the glory. Jesus isn't saying, I, I want you to glorify me that I might receive the glory that is due me. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. But that he would use that glory to glorify God the Father. You see, that should be our everyday intent. Through Jesus Christ, everything that we do might give glory to God the Father. Now, that's a prayer. That's a prayer. Jesus is asking God to glorify him that he might glorify the Father. I, I, I've heard a lot of prayers in my life. I've prayed a lot of prayers in my life. But this, this prayer that Jesus is praying for himself is, is unbelievable. Listen, church, that's, that's the way we ought to pray. That that's ought to be our daily prayer, that God would glorify us, that we might be able to glorify him. Because that, that should be our, our intent every day in life, to give God glory in all that we do, to glorify his name, to glorify not our actions, but our actions glorify the Father, our words glorify the Father in heaven. Think about your prayers. Th think about your prayers. Do they do that? Is that what you're asking for when you pray? God, glorify me that I might glorify you. That, that is such a powerful, powerful prayer this morning. We then see the second prayer in verses 6 through 19. In this prayer, Jesus' focus is now on his 11 remaining apostles. Those who had followed him for the last three years. Th those he would, 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 uh, who had seen his power to heal. 
He had given these men power to heal. The ones who showed great courage and the same ones who would soon fail him again. These are the ones Jesus is now praying for, seen in verses 6 through 19. Now, I want to stop here for a minute and stress the importance of what's taking place. Understand with me, Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for these men. Jesus, Jesus is praying for these men. Not me, not any other preacher, not any other head of any denomination. Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for these men. Church, church, I've had many people in my life tell me that they were praying for me. Many of you have told me different times that you're praying for me, and I can't express the gratitude for those prayers. But what we're hearing today is Jesus praying for these men. Now, I, I know some of you are saying, <clears throat> I, I wish Jesus would pray for me. He did. That's what we read this morning initially. That, that's what we're seeing in Scripture. I don't know what kind of day you had this past week or what kind of day you're going to have today. But please understand this. When you come to a time in your life where you need to feel the presence of God, just go to this chapter, chapter 17, and hear Jesus praying because he's praying for you. We'll get to that here in a second. Now, church, Jesus knows that he is about to leave the ones that he's poured his life into for over three years. He knows exactly what they will face and what they'll go through as they spread his gospel message to to the then known world. Now, what is the central point or points of his prayer for these men? He says, God, sanctify them. Sanctify them. Look, Look with me, if you will, at chapter 17, verse 18. Verse 18 says this, As you sent me into the world... I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so they also may be sanctified in the truth. What does this mean? What does this mean? Why did Jesus want to sanctify his apostles? For us to understand that, we have to understand the word sanctify. John Philip says this about Jesus' request for sanctification of his apostles. God's truth is the separating force. Let us get into our hearts. What God has to say about everything is true and absolute and not relative. The end of God's truth is not wisdom. Understand, listen to that again. This is is powerful. The end of God's truth is is not wisdom. Wisdom is the goal of the Greeks and the philosophers and the learned of this world. The Word of God and the words of God have a transforming virtue about it. And that is holiness. Holiness. Jesus is praying that His apostles would be holy. Well, Brother Kyle, hold on. What are you saying? That they won't walk it, they'll, they'll, they won't just talk it, they'll walk it. They won't just say it, they'll live it. They, they won't just tell people they believe. People will look at their lives without saying a word and understand that they are believers in Jesus Christ. 
Listen, what Jesus is saying through sanctification, he's not going to have to prod them all over, although the Holy Spirit of God, when he indwells them on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will prod them for the rest of their lives to do the will of God. But through sanctification, not only will they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to prod them, they will have a desire, an overwhelming desire through the holiness of God to do what God's called them to do. That's sanctification. Jesus is saying, listen listen to these these words again after we understand this. Verse 18 says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so they may be sanctified by the truth. Church, this is powerful. It's a powerful prayer that we see Jesus praying this morning. But now we have to turn the curve. We now come to today's scripture seen in verses 20 through 26. And, and we see Jesus doing something different. In this total chapter of chapter 17, we see Jesus praying for himself, praying for his 11 remaining apostles. But when you come to verses 20 through 26, you can hear Jesus praying for those who have not received him as their Savior yet. We see Jesus praying for those who have not received them as their Savior yet. Those who have not heard the apostles proclaim the gospel. Those who knew nothing about Jesus or God. Church, Jesus is praying for all those who would believe. And that prayer this morning includes us as believers today. So this prayer is for us. Praise God, Jesus is praying for us. Jesus prayed this prayer before any of us came into existence. Why did he do that? Because he loved us. Now, look at verse 20. Read verse 20 with me. I pray not for these, but but also for those who believe in me through their message. Now, What is it that Jesus prayed to God the Father on our behalf? He's praying for us in eternity and in the future sense, but what is it that Jesus prayed for us? Jesus prays for future unity of all believers. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this, May they all be one as you, Father are in me, and I am in you. May they also be one in us. Why? So the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May may they be made completely one so that the world may, may know you have sent me have loved and have loved me and and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you understand, Jesus, as you read this, Jesus stresses over and over and over again, unity, unity, as you and I are one, let them be one. Unity, unity. There would be, there, there, there would have to be church unity for the church to grow. Church, this seems like a a pretty simple request that we as Christian believers be united. 
I, I mean, as you read through it, oh, okay, well, that's, that's simple. Okay, we're going to be united. Okay, done. Yeah, but it's not so simple. As we look at this prayer request from Jesus to God the Father, while thinking, uh, <clears throat> thinking of unity, our mind tends to focus of eternal strife, internal strife that takes place in the church. Now, I'm sure that this prayer touches that aspect of unity, but it's just a small portion of what Jesus is talking about, about this unity. Think, think with me for a minute on, on how or what the church looked like at the time of this prayer. The church is, is, is in the very early stages of forming. There, there are people who have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, and they're scattered, scattered abroad. Most are in Jerusalem. There's no formal, formal building that people are meeting together. Scripture tells us daily, oh, oh Lord, we're going to have to have church daily. Uh, to meet in prayer, to, to look at Scripture, to talk about Jesus, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the church is in its very, very early stages. They're united, more united than we are today at this time. There would, there would be unity, there would always have to be unity for the church to grow. Why is this unity Important for us as a church today. Why did Jesus stress it so much for believers of today? Well, number one, church, listen. Our purpose hasn't changed. The purpose of the, the early church, the, the first church, and the church of the day ha has not changed. Well, what is the purpose, brother? For the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that is our purpose. I, I once got into a, a, a verbal altercation. I, I don't want to say it was an argument with, with a pastor years and years and years ago because he, he looked at ministry as a church-centered. Uh, you know, we, we need to minister to our church. Our church needs to be ministered to. And I said, that's, that's not scriptural. And he said, what do you mean it's not scriptural? This is what Jesus meant with this unity and what the church should be. The church should be everything that's within the church body should have a direct outlet to outreach to our community. Everything that takes place from Sunday school to the choir to the praise team to me preaching to, to vacation Bible school, everything that we do here as a body of believers ought to be an extension to this world to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the intent of the early church. That is who we are to be. We are to be evangelists for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all that we say and all that we do. Our purpose hasn't changed. The church has changed. Now, I ask the question, why is this unity important for the church of today? Well, the, number reason, number, the second reason is this. The church is in a mess. The church of the day is in a mess. Pastors are scared to death when, when they feel God calling them to go to other churches because when they step out of one church and they step into another church, they don't know what they're stepping into. I've had close personal friends of mine who are pastors who have, have been talked to by pulpit committees and they've gone through the process of, 
of being what you would call vetted through the congregation. And they've even been called to a church to serve as, as pastor or youth pastor. And after two weeks of being there, they've realized that everything that they were told by the pulpit committee and anybody they talked to in the congregation was a lie. That the church was an absolute mess. Why is that? I imagine if we traced it back to the root, it goes back to what Jesus is praying for with us today that we'd be united you see there's very little unity in most churches today very little unity in most churches today uh, third reason is this why this this message of unity is important we've gone from one church mindset as we see in our scripture today to thousands if not hundreds of thousands of churches calling themselves christian churches. Now, now why, are, why are there so many different churches uh, in our, our world today who call themselves Christian? Well, well, that's an easy answer. They can't agree. They, they can't agree. There was a community that I lived in years ago. <clears throat> uh, there was a First Baptist Church in the community. And I was new to the community. You know, you'd get in the car and you drive around. And as you drive around, there was a second Baptist church. And I'm thinking, okay, wow. Well, you know where the second Baptist came from, don't you? From the split from the first Baptist church. And, and I kind of got a chuckle out of that. You shouldn't have laughed, but I mean, you, you know what happened. There was some sort of discourse. They could not unite. They could not be united. So half the people split. and They went down the road to, to you know, start second Baptist church. Well, you drive a little bit longer and, and you round the corner and guess what you run into? Third Baptist Church. And I'm thinking, my heavens, I, I guess people from First Baptist and Second Baptist, they, they couldn't agree with what was going on, so they created a Third Baptist. And then, listen, th there were two or three splits from them and it was like First Corinthians Baptist Church. It, it, it's nuts. I served in a community, listen, from, from an eight-mile stretch there were six or seven Southern Baptist churches all under the same Southern Baptist Association. That, that shouldn't be with a, a very dense population. I mean, the, the, the population of people there, there might should have been one or two Baptist churches, but there were six or seven Baptist churches in an eight to ten mile stretch. You know what that tells me? They're not united. Why are they not united? Because people can't agree with each other. And when you're not in agreement, you don't have unity. You can't have unity. Church to be united means that you are in agreement with. When we're not united, it means that we are not in agreement. As we look at the early church, what is it that Jesus was praying for unity and agreement? What, what, was, what was he wanting us all to agree about? To be united, to unify ourselves about that's easy him he wanted us to be in agreement about him and his message he's praying that we would be in agreement with who he was and what he did and is doing for the church body today that that should be so simple for us to agree with but it's not and we do not we do not agree there are some people who call themselves Christians, believe some stuff. Church, I mean, it's nuts. 
They call themselves Christians, and some of the stuff they believe, it, it, it's absolute nuts. Now, how does this happen? How does a person who calls themselves a Christian come to believe something that is absolutely nuts? When you stray from the truth of the Word of God, you'll believe anything. You will believe absolutely anything. It's absolutely absurd some of the things that I've heard people say and, and believe. Years ago, there was, there was a man who surrendered to, to be a pastor of a church. He did not meet the qualifications that Scripture mandates that a person uh, have in his life in 1 Timothy and the book of Titus. He did not meet them in, in, in two or three. He, he failed uh, five or six ways. This is what he said. All that that took place took place before my salvation. So therefore, I, I'm free to preach the Word of God. I just wonder what he's preaching. Because if he fails to understand the importance of the Word of God, and he justifies it in himself to make what he is doing as right in his eyes, what else is he preaching? Listen, if you don't stand on the Word of God and God's holy Word, what God said is right, if you try to skirt around it, if you try to justify it in yourself what you think is right to do something, you're, you're going to cause disagreement. Jesus prays for unity for us. And I can honestly say, without any doubt, church, that this church, Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, is more united as believers than any other church that I've belonged to. You, you know, when pastors sit down and, and we talk, we often tell war stories about what's taking place in the church. And, and, you know, we do so just at times just to vent with each other. We do so to ask for prayer because there's, there's times in churches we, we need prayer. We, we do. And we ask each other to pray. Uh, but church, listen. Uh, this church, when, I, when I'm sitting with pastors and I, they, they say, Brother, you know, what, what's going on in your church? I, I don't have anything to say. You know, we're, we're, we're united. God's doing things here that I, I mean, I wish that he was doing in he, he could do through every church. Now, I'm not saying that we agree 100% totally with everything that's said. I'm not saying that at all. But we agree on this, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was, was, was virgin born. He came, he worked, he, he, he sought, he taught, he preached, he healed. He died on Calvary's cross. He came back on the third day. He is right now in heaven as our intercessor between, between himself and God. He has made a way for us. We, we can agree on that, and that's what he wants us to agree on. We don't have to agree on the color of the carpet or whether the chandelier should be taken down or whether we should go to two screens or keep the one screen. You know, we, we might have differences all, all that, but our, our main focus is our main focus, and that's Jesus Christ. The reason why the churches in America and the world are in the shape that they're in is they can't, they can't agree on Jesus, who Jesus is, who Jesus was. What did Jesus mean when he said what he said? They can't be in agreement. Church, we then see Jesus' last plea for us as believers in verse 24 through 26. 
In the closing portion of, of this prayer, Jesus answers the question that many have asked throughout the years. Where do we as believers go when we die? Look, look at verse 24. And understand, Jesus is praying this prayer to God the Father. Jesus says this in verse 24, Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory, which you, you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. John Phillips, scholar, author, preacher, says this about verse 24. He wants us. Listen, I don't know where you are. You need to wake up. You need to hear this. Listen, as we look at this scripture, we need to get excited because it should help us to understand something. What is it that we need to understand? Jesus wants us. He wants us. He wants us. He wants us to be where he is. Heaven would be incomplete for us without him. Of this, we're quite sure, John Philip says. It is not the house that makes a home. It's the loved ones we find there that makes a home. But the opposite is equally true. And it's amazing that it should be so. Heaven is incomplete for Jesus without us there with Him. That's what this scripture says. That should make you so happy. Church, do you, do, you, do you know the love that Jesus has for you as a believer through this prayer? What an unbelievable prayer. Do you know the love that Jesus has for you through this prayer? Do you realize that what he is asking God to provide is something that is real and obtainable? God, Jesus is praying this to God, and it's obtainable. We can obtain this. Well, Brother Kyle, how do you know? Jesus wouldn't pray something that's not obtained, that we can't obtain. This is obtainable to us. Church, the closer we walk with God, the easier it will be to achieve the prayers that Jesus has prayed for us in our Scripture today. Let me say that again. The closer we walk with God, the easier it is going to be for us to obtain the prayers that Jesus has prayed for us today. How close is your walk? How close is your walk? I, I, I don't pray enough. I don't, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't study enough. I've never felt like I've done enough for God and done enough for Jesus. If you're at a point in your life where you, you aren't convicted by the lack of time you spend with God, something's wrong. You should always desire to spend more time with Him. Your cup should never be overflowing with the time that you spent. You should always be wanting more and more and more. What is your walk like? Do you know my Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for this prayer that you prayed. Lord, we, we see the beauty in the prayer that you prayed for yourself. God, we see the importance of the prayer that you prayed for the 11 apostles that were left to spread your word. And God, we see the beauty in the prayer that you prayed for us as believers. 
God, help us to study that. Help us to desire the same things you desire, and that's unity as a body of believers, that you are who you say you are. God, let us be united in you. Not that we might get glory, God, but we might glorify you. God, and the way we glorify you is by spreading the gospel message that you've given us, that's inside of us, telling the world what you've done for us and to us and with us and through us. God, let the world know that we are who we say we are, not only by our words, but by our actions. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Church, thank you for being with us this, this, this morning. We, we thank you for all those who aren't members of Chevis Oaks Baptist Church who came to join us. I saw several of my friends right before I got up had joined the watch party, and, and I'm so glad. I, I think one of my, my very first uh, youth pastor that I served under, Brother Jerry McNair, was with us. Brother Jerry, if you're here, I love you. Uh, love to see you again sometime. Listen, church, please, I, I said this at the beginning of the, <clears throat> of the message, please be in prayer for myself and the deacons as we do meet this Tuesday uh, to make the decision to, to open the church. Please be in prayer for us uh, as your church leadership. Thank you for what you continue to do, how you continue to give and love and support this church. God bless. Have a wonderful day.